0: Hello everybody. Welcome. Uh, Today we're going to be talking about being full. Uh, The Bible has a lot to say about being full. What you're full with. What you shouldn't be full with. And uh, we all know the feeling of being full. Uh, Certainly probably the first thing we think of when we think of being full is food. And that we understand that when we're hungry and that when we're satiated and if we're eating delicious food, we usually eat too much and we're uncomfortably full. Uh, there's the emotion of uh, fullness or full of emotion. You could be full of pain or full of anguish. You could be full of romantic love, in fact. There's a fullness of knowledge and wisdom, or fullness of words. The Bible talks about being full of words, good words, and wisdom. And those are being full of good things. That's something we're going to focus on today. And there's also being full of bad things, sinful things, prideful things. And so, um, in, in our world, this becomes, a, a, in our modern world especially, this becomes a very important a topic and a very important uh, issue to for every single person to figure out. Because if we're not satisfied with life, we get this empty feeling. And if we have this empty feeling, we try and fill it. Uh, you've probably heard that people have a God-sized hole in their heart. And that's very true. Uh, and so what we try to do is fill that. Part of our fill our lives, and the Bible talks about this about being full, and in fact Jesus Christ states that He will fill us uh, so that we never hunger again, and certainly He doesn't mean food there that we never have to eat again, but He means something else. And so uh, today I want us to look at before we uh, pray and get into this message that we're going to watch a quick video. On this very thing.
1: I woke up this morning with a normal feeling for me. It felt like sadness, but more like hunger than anything else. The closest word for it is empty. Whatever the feeling was, I wanted it to go away. Within an hour of waking up, this feeling's usually gone. Coffee can do it, catching up on sports, and by the time I check my email, I'm good. At least I'm full for the present. The feeling, whatever it was, is gone. But quite easily, I slip back into the emptiness, if not the next hour, the next day. Technology gives me the quickest, most instantly gratifying fill. That's why I like social media. All I really need is one like on Instagram, and I'm golden. Facebook can do it too, as long as it's about me. And I look on Twitter to get my sarcasm fill for the day. It doesn't really take much, but it doesn't really last long either. If social media doesn't do it, music always fills me up, especially when I'm driving. I got my tunes, the open road, and I can listen to whatever I want. I rock the same songs over and over again. I was empty. Now I'm filled. I have millions of ways to fill up. I didn't even mention TV, movies, or beach vacations, alcohol, cars, home improvements, accolades at work. Whatever I want, I can have it. With the touch of a button or the drop of a hat, the world is at my fingertips. I can fill myself with whatever I want, cash pending. All I have to do is convince myself that it's good to eat and desirable for food. Then it's just a matter of plucking my choice fruit from the tree. No wonder I don't need God to be filled. I'm already full.
0: If you're like me, you were waiting at the end of that, because it's it's Christian, you were waiting for the message. And I was like, ah, maybe I won't use this. And then it dawned on me. You're meant to feel uncomfortable at the end. What are you filled with? Question mark. And there it hangs. And what do you see the, the man doing throughout? his day is, like, what do you see there? Like, what, uh, what is he doing all the time? And he's pressing buttons, right? He's got his fingers on his phone, fingers on his radio, or, or even so technologically advanced, I guess, that I don't even have to reach for the radio. I've got it right here, my steering wheel, if your car is more modern enough, Um and, you know, there's food. There's, there's all of this. And so, you know, it's do those things that you see there fill people's day? And they do, especially in today's world where at the touch of a finger, fast service from a barista. If you've got to wait for your coffee, God forbid. If you've got to wait for your food for any length of time, oh, no. It has to be. Right? As he said, at the touch of a finger. I love, too, at the end how he referenced um, the Garden of Eden. It was good for food. It was good for the eyes. So they took. And we think we're full. But as you saw with that man, there's moments of clarity that he gets every day where he's empty. Uh, I was watching uh, last night the latest episode of the show, 1923. It's, uh, it's got some language in it and some nudity. I'm just going to throw that out there. You say, the pastor said I should watch this. Good Lord. Uh, it's not a lot, but it happens. Okay, just doing that, throwing that out there. That's a, the, you know, the clause, I guess. Anyway, um, what was interesting about the, in the movie is that one of the characters had to get immediately from Africa to London. Actually, from Africa to Montana, uh, to Yellowstone. This is all based in Yellowstone Park, of there's a story. And he goes to the, the uh, place where, you know, you can board a ship. It's 1923, you're not getting on a plane. Uh, you know, the Wright brothers, the plane is invented, but there isn't commercial airlines yet. And uh, <clears throat> they said to the man seeking this passage, that sure, there's a ship leaving in three weeks, and it will take you about a month to get there because it has to go through the Suez Canal, which is, has traffic jam in it all the time. So it'll probably take you about a month and three weeks to board. So two months to get home. Oh, that's just to London. Then he had to figure out how to get home. Uh, today, we don't have to wait for hardly anything. You want to fly somewhere? You get on the internet, you could book your tip. If you're willing to pay enough, you can leave today. Be there in a day, wherever it is. We have next day delivery from Amazon. I actually, when I order Amazon, if I see that one item will take two days, I'm like, uh-uh-uh. I find the item that takes one day. <laughs> Whatever. So it's true that things like media, food, trips can fill our day, but it's not true that they fill our lives. How many of us have been using this method, to, method Sorry, to fill ourselves and we find that in moments of clarity we feel more and more empty? Uh, this happens to believers. Right? I'm, we're in a, our end goal here is don't be drunk with wine, but be filled, filled with the Spirit. You know, so w- what is the drunkenness of wine? Well, it's another another thing to occupy. It's another thing to take up time it's very uh dis- much more destructive than cell phone use but still in the end it has its same purpose that we're trying to fill ourselves drunkenness is filling yourself it's not a, it's not a sip of wine or a glass of wine is it it's you know it's a bottle or two or three that causes someone to be intoxicated you're filling yourself um, so why don't these things really fill us? Why do the human race, why can't we just be occupied with things? Because we're not like animals. Now you can occupy a dog uh, like some dogs that I've known. If you, you, know, How many times do you throw the ball? Well, they go and get it, and they never get tired. Uh, but it, with animals, it, it's okay. They don't have that issue. But because we're created in the image of God, we need more to be full, to be satisfied. And the fallen human race has not been. From Genesis throughout, all that we see of those... The Exodus generation is is the one that God highlights in this, is that, you know, why were they so complaining all the time? They weren't full. I mean, they had everything that God provided, but they lacked faith in God. They, their treasure was in the wrong place. The problem with these things is they leave nothing behind, meaning that they're of not a permanent nature. Uh, a good meal is great, but when it's over, it's forgotten. A great vacation becomes a memory, a distant memory, and a few pictures maybe. Uh, the likes and accolades that stir us on social media. Why do they need to be renewed every single day? If people liked you yesterday and they don't like you today, do you care about them liking you yesterday? You don't. All you think about are those who don't like you today. These things that are temporary have to be renewed day by day. Taste is very fleeting. Alcohol, drugs, sex, it's all fleeting. And the stimulations, which these stimulations that we jump from into every single day, to try and fill that day I don't mean all of us but some and it, it, we try to make to use these things to make our day full and it doesn't and so Jesus said this John 6:35 I am the bread of life he who comes to me will not hunger and he who believes in me will never thirst and what did they say when he said this the he said if you eat this bread that the father sent from heaven it will give you life he said it just a, two sentences before he said this, or the last sentence before he said this. Because in, his, in response to when he said, if you eat of this bread, it will give you life, they said, Lord, give us this bread. And they thought you know, that it was actual literal bread. Just before this, he fed 5,000 on, on the mountain, on the other side of the lake, or the Sea Galilee. I'm the bread of life who comes from heaven. What does it mean to never hunger or thirst again? It means permanency. It means that it's not temporary. It means permanence. It means eternity. And this is the only kind of fullness that's not fleeting. Therefore, we get our first clue that fullness can only come from Him. Why? Because the whole world's fallen. Now, these things that have been created to fill our time are fallen things. They're not from heaven, they're from earth. And when it comes to treasure, those are the two places that God emphasizes. You know when you think of treasure, the first thing you might think of is, you know, buried treasure, or I remember when I was a kid, we used to make up our own treasure maps and then hide them me and my friend. We used to hide them somewhere in the house and then like an hour later we would, quote unquote, stumble upon them and be like, oh, we found a treasure map. A good imaginations back then. And we, you know, we'd use it to go around the neighborhood trying to find something. We never found anything, but it was just exciting to look. Same thing when you like plan a vacation. All the planning's kind of almost as fun as the vacation, sometimes more. The things that Christ has given us, though, where does he say the bread's from? Heaven, not earth. And these are the distinctions that God makes. Your treasure is where? And that's what Christ asks us. He actually tells us, where is it? That's the word he uses. So it's fullness that I want to discuss today. And if our lives are full of good things, it will alter the way we think and live. If our lives are full of bad things, then it will do the same. In contrast, we briefly look at what it means to be full of bad things and where we uh, put our treasure or where we think there is treasure. So the old adage, you, you are what you eat, right? It's true. Uh, diet is probably the most important part of healthy, physically healthy living. It's more important, actually, it seems, than exercise. So to- both should go together. Yeah, I, I can say that. Don't, don't hold me to it. Uh, but I'm trying a little better anyway. <laughs> but, uh, <clears throat> yeah, you are, you eat. This also applies to the spiritual life. What do you put into your heart? So look at Matthew six nineteen. Matthew six nineteen. Jesus says, now this again, Sermon on the Mount, right? This is pivotal in his ministry. Uh, Matthew is the one who records the longest part of it. In Matthew 5 through 7. Matthew six nineteen: Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. So you see, where, where's the first where? It's earth. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Now, look, it's not the fact that moths eat your clothes and thieves steal your stuff. It's not really. Jesus is using that as a, look, with the things of the earth, what do they eventually happens to them? You're not taking them with you. And they decay. They go away. Everything gets old. That's the point he's making. But the emphasis is on earth. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. So we have a little insight into heaven here, don't we? There's no rust and there's no crooks. <laughs> so there, there our stuff is safe. But then he says this, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, this word for treasure is a word that we know in English, so if you bear with me, this is the Greek of this sentence. The last section, or is it of yeah, of verse 21. And what you have here is a couple of things I want to point out. Is this word uh, hapu is where, all right? So that word means where, okay. This is where gar is for, for where, and then this verb is is in the present tense, and this verb is is in the future tense. So what you do now, let's get, let me erase this, what you do now, which is this verb, is what will happen in the future, which is that verb. And what you do now is this word, and it's here in English. See on the bottom, it's the Soros. Where do you know that word from? Thesaurus, right? Which is a treasure of words. Every synonym, right? They, we have them all electronic now. I remember we used to have the Rogets or Rogets. I don't even know how to pronounce it R O G T S, Rogets, uh, Thesaurus. But, and, and that word means what is deposited. And this word is cardia. Now we know this word, right? Cardiac, cardia, heart. These two little words are your. Sue so and Sue. So. Your heart, your treasure. So you have your treasure here and your heart here. In the present tense, is. Where is your treasure, or where your treasure is, where there ek is there, will be in the future your heart. So your treasure, wherever it is, you know, I love the word where here. It's uh, I, I like this little part of my on my vocabulary list some uh, months ago. But it, it's it means like where is it located? He doesn't say what he says where. He, can say, he could say what kind or what, or but no, he says where. Where is it that which you want deposited in you? Because it's related to your heart. And the heart is what this heart, this cardia, which of course is not the muscle in your chest, but the inner self is going to be completely identified by what it is that you treasure. So what you love, what you desire, what it is that you're really after, is what's going to make for the condition of your heart. And that is really, in the scripture, you are your heart. That's you. We can put on a facade and pretend to be something else or someone else, but in reality, what we truly are in our hearts is what we truly are. And God sees this clearly, and you see it, unless you're self deceived. You should be, you, no, none of us see it as clear as God does, but at least we should know. And, and in the scripture, this is handed to us openly. And sometimes it hurts to find out, you know, if you're honest with yourself, has my treasure been somewhere else besides the Lord Jesus Christ? He's the treasure. It couldn't be clearer in the Scripture that Him, the person, is the treasure. So, uh, Jesus tells us that what we desire to deposit in our hearts, which is in present tense, what we do now, will make what our hearts are in the future. Uh, So, look at Colossians 2, verse 2. Again, the Bible distinguishes here two places, treasure in heaven or treasure on earth. Where is your treasure? See, I see the, the guy in the video, they did, a, I think, a great job with that in, in showing that, you know, here. And he's like so many people, depicting so many people in this world who are bouncing from one thing to another and to another. And all the things that they're using to occupy their minds and hopefully fill Are all earthly things? Like, where was the scripture in that guy's day? That was an actor, of course. It's not a real person, but you know, if for a person who lives like that, who feels this emptiness at times, but runs for the coffee pod and the email and the sports page and whatever, and to work and to deal with, you know, or maybe uh, solicit some physical thing. That they're they're moving from one thing to the next and hopefully not having never having to stop and think of reality. Where's the scripture? Where's the word? Where's prayer? Where's God? And you see, this and the whole New Testament is about this. That we as believers can be drawn into that very life. But we as believers have something that's outside of this world. And so when God says, I want you to be filled with something, it's filled with Him. Crazy enough. And also filled with other things. We're going to look at a few. He doesn't say just be filled with me. As we'll see today, He says be filled with joy. And He's going to tell us how that can happen. That actually His joy will be made full in us. So look at Colossians 2.2, attaining to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery, that is Christ himself, in whom are hidden all the treasures, thesaurus, of wisdom and knowledge. What's neat about this is treasures of wisdom and knowledge, kind of like our modern thesaurus. It's a treasure of words. So he says to the the Colossians here that they are to attain to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery, resulting in a true knowledge of Christ himself. An assurance of understanding, and where this understanding would come from would have to come from Scripture. There's only one place that we can find this understanding of who Christ is, and that is the Bible It's the only revelation of him. And that's Old Testament and new. Uh, And so it says, and Paul further clarifies, that in Christ are hidden, meaning we've just got to look. It's not they're hidden from our gaze. It's just that we've got to go into the Scripture and look for them. Now, for those who, you know, if they're too lazy to read the Scripture or go to church and learn the Scripture or spend time learning the Scripture, uh, then they're not going to know. And there's, there's nothing we can do about that. right? As the saying goes, you can lead the horse to water, you can't make him drink. I can tell you where the wisdom is. I can tell you where the knowledge is. I can tell you where the understanding is. But if you're not looking into the Word of God, you have no hope of knowing it. Christians who have a very casual relationship with the Word of God have no hope of knowing this of finding the treasure, and therefore their heart, which is the real them existing in this world, will never be full. If they're believers, they're going to go to heaven and be full for eternity. But during this time, and we're rewarded, by the way, for this fullness that we have in time. But during this time, fullness is found in only one place, and it says it here, the treasure of wisdom and knowledge, which is Jesus Christ. Now, wisdom and knowledge are comprised of words, right? Knowledge are words. The Bible are words, Is words, that we believe to be true. Uh, that makes all the difference. If, if the words that we, uh, first, the words that we have are from God, and secondly, that we believe them. And then if that's true, then that's where your treasure is. So, where is your treasure in your opinion? Where is it? And that's the emphasis that Christ gives us, is the where. Is it on earth or is it in heaven? And so, if we have our treasure in that which is in heaven, then when it comes to being filled with the Spirit, filled with the Son, filled with the Father, filled with joy, filled with knowledge, if we take all the words... It's, there's one word in Greek, it's pleroo, uh, that is used for this. If we take all the instances of that where God says, I want you full of me and the things that are me, if, our, if we're looking somewhere else to be full, then we're never we're going to bypass them. We're never going to know them. And to be filled with the Spirit is to pursue the things of God to pursue them like they're your they're your only treasure and we'll see that coming up look at Matthew 12 go to Matthew 12:34 Matthew 12:34 Jesus says, for the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. So here's our, it's the same word that's used uh, multiple times in the the New Testament. It's very frequent. The word fill. You know, fill, be full, uh, uh, having been filled, and so on. Uh, These words are used throughout and frequently through the scripture. And also words like satisfied. As Jesus said, uh, long or thirst, hunger for righteousness, you'll be satisfied. Verse 34 again. The mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. The good man out of his good treasure, the saros, brings forth that which is good. The evil man out of his evil treasure brings forth what is evil. Now, does the evil person always, I mean, does the evil person never... Try to say that which is good to fool those or trick those who are, or to protect his evil, to hide his evil from others. I mean, certainly evil people lie. But what did Jesus tell us about those who were false teachers who were evil, that you'll know them by their fruit? Eventually, they're going to speak and do that which is their heart, what their heart is made of. And what their heart is made of is where their treasure is. The good man out of his good treasure brings forth that which is good. The evil man out of his evil treasure brings forth that which is evil. And I say to you that every careless word that men shall speak, they shall render account for it in the day of judgment. For by your words you shall be justified, and by your words you shall be condemned. And that's striking. Uh, Our words, even the careless ones, Are deemed by the Lord as very important. Even a careless word that you speak, he says, you shall render account for it in the day of judgment. And, you know, does he have here, is he speaking of only the evil, only the unbeliever, is he speaking of the believer? We know that we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ as believers. You know, it's, he doesn't give us details about that, about what. He just says he's going to judge our deeds, whether they're good or bad. So what is he saying to us? Is that, look, not that we have to, like, can you account for every single word that you said today? It uh, would be like trying to account for every single sin and every single good thing. The whole thing's impossible to, to calculate at all. But our words are important. So in other passages in the New Testament that we are to encourage one another. No unwholesome word are to proceed from us in Ephesians 4. What we say, how we say it, to whom is important stuff. Jesus says here, by your words you'll be either justified or condemned. Um, In the book of James, James chapter 3, James calls the tongue a small fire that sets a forest aflame. And he say, he compares it to a little rudder that turns in a big huge ship. That the tongue is a restless evil. And it's a flame. He 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 likens it to someone with a careless match or wasn't it just a couple of years ago where some dumb teenager was playing with fireworks up near the Columbia Gorge, and set the forest on fire thousands and thousands of acres. One one firework can do it. And, and uh, <clears throat> that's what James says. He's repeating what the Lord says here. That with our words, we can really hurt people, and in that we become arsonists, like verbal arsonists, relationship arsonists. And getting back to our opening about social media and stuff, in our world, it's so much easier to do than it ever has been, to use our words to hurt people. We can hide behind our computer screens and still hurt people. Uh, So, the Lord says what about that? Well, where do these words come from that you keep using to hurt people? Eventually, they come out. Right. If I if I have a problem with anger or bitterness, uh, and I I know I have this problem, and I'm just I say to myself I'm gonna am I'm gonna stop being angry, and it's just a matter of time before I blow up at the next person. And wh- what's the issue? Your heart has to change. And how do you change that? Change your treasure. Where is your treasure been? What have you been looking at? What have you been in search of? What do you desire? And if you change that, it's not going to happen overnight, but you will see the fruit of change. If your treasure is what? God, the Lord, and as we'll see, the Holy Spirit. So where you look for treasure in life will, over time, determine the content of your heart, which is the content of your words, which is the content of your knowledge, and your wisdom, and that's the content of you. That's your entire personality. So we ask ourselves, what will fill me? You know, what, what is the fruit of life? What is really going to make me content? And I'm, I'm constantly tempted in the world and by the flesh to, to really believe that other things are going to fill me. Uh, and nothing else is. Nothing else is going to fill you besides God. And that's the way it has to be. Now, is this being filled? Now, our next stage is to say, well, okay, we've got this iron now. That the only thing that's going to fill us is God, His Word, His Spirit, the Lord, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They're all used. All three of them are used with the world word full. Uh, our salvation makes us full. That's a, another in Colossians 2. Uh, and, and another part that we'll just see here in a second that you know are we talking about a moment of fullness? And when you when we've read these passages, do you would you think, did you bring from them that he was talking about five minutes of fullness? Right? He was saying the heart, and the heart is who you are. Now the person who has a good heart, does he never say anything evil, like he's sinless with his tongue or her? We know this not to be true. If you have if you have really transformed your heart to spiritual, to God-like, you still say stupid things from time to time. And what do we we say? Sorry, you know, we ask for forgiveness, or we just you know expect and hope to be forgiven. It happens. Our emotions we get carried away, we get angry, whatever. But if, I, if we found ourselves, you know, getting angry a minute here, and then you know, tomorrow or a week from now, for another five minutes, we blew our stack and we're like, "Oh, wait, wait, no. Does that make us angry people? No. It doesn't. We all sin. Yeah, if you, So don't be drunk with wine, be filled with the spirit. Let's say two years ago, to like a bachelor party or a bachelorette party or any party, that you took too much wine and you get drunk. You're a believer. It happens. Two years ago, a year ago, does that make you a drunk? No. It makes you a sinner. <laughs> but you're no drunk. If I was filled with the Spirit, I don't know. Yesterday for ten minutes, <laughs> that make me spiritual. No, no it is not. What is God doing here with us? Like we saw yesterday. Every day devoted to him, devoted to his plan, devoted to his word, is a day in which we're building a character. And as we see here with the Lord, we're building a certain type of heart. And the heart comes from treasure. And we look to the treasure, we glean from the treasure, we take from the treasure... As much as we want. And we need to do that day in and day out. If it's a moment here and a moment there that I'm looking at the treasure, but for the most part, or even if I have a divided heart, I know that I have the Lord's treasure, but I also have the world's treasure, the earth's treasure, and I'm divided between the two, Jesus said to us, well, look, you have two masters. And you can't serve them both. You eventually have to pick one. So, Filled it's not here in these contexts, speaking about being filled for a moment here or a moment there, but the type of person who is filled. Let's look at joy. Go to John 16. Being filled with joy. Now, who would say no to being filled with joy? Nobody would. But when you tell a lot... (laughs) who would say no to Jesus is the only source of joy a lot of people do that unfortunately Christ offers fullness of joy and first John 16:24 is answered prayer until now he said to them you have asked nothing in my name asking you will receive that your joy may be made full same word play roo let's choose be filled with the spirit be filled with God be filled with joy be filled with wisdom It's what's going to fill us so that we don't feel empty. So it's answered prayer. Now, there's a lot to this, right? To have answered prayer, you've got to pray. And this means that you have a relationship with God. This goes deeper than just people who say, well, or somebody that might imagine that, you know, I just ask God for anything and he just gives it to me. It's more than that. God's going to give what He wills? Do you know what He wills? And of course, we've just spent months looking at prayer and seeing that very thing. That someone who has answered prayer and knows that it's answered is someone who has a relationship with God and who prays consistently and who knows God's will and knows how to pray. And so, they are joyful because my relationship with God when he answers my prayers, it's like him talking back to me, and I have this joy in—well, we'll see coming up—in his presence. Uh, go to John 17, verse 13. Jesus said, he's praying to the Father, and he says, "But now, in uh, verse 13, but now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world that they may be—that they, meaning the disciples, may have my joy." made full in themselves. And again, we have the same phraseology. Joy being made full. And what is from this, and all of these are conditional, by the way. Answered prayer is joy. Here, we have the things that He spoke in the world, which we would say is His teaching. The things that He spoke to His disciples. In that case, I just took it from the beginning of the prayer, is that He said to them, they have eternal life, And he said in the prayer that eternal life is knowing the Father and knowing the Son. And so what did he teach them? It's the same thing he said that the Spirit would teach them in this age, which was of himself and the Father. He said the Spirit is going to reveal to you me and the Father. And this gives us joy. Every day I'm learning about, I know my Lord and I'm learning more about him. And he's fantastic, right? So knowing the Father and the Son... Peter quotes this at Pentecost from Psalm 1611 using playroo. he says, In your presence is fullness of joy. Just being with God, knowing that he is with you, in you, with you, and on you, and around you. Uh, He's in you, with you, and on you as a believer. So having this uh, presence of his joy. And then if you go to Romans 15... Romans fifteen thirteen. This one is same play row, oh. That's filled with joy. I did that. Did I miss one? Sorry. Uh, no, sorry. There we go. Same mind as others. Romans fifteen is actually fourteen and fifteen are all about unity in this church in Rome. Now, one of the things that the Romans had, the Roman church, I should say, had an issue with was Jew and Gentile. Uh, there's there's a cultural, societal uh, division there. There's also the desire of the Jews to stay with the Mosaic Law and the Gentiles not doing anything about the Mosaic Law. When Paul said to Gentiles, except for in Galatia, but when he said to the Gentiles, you don't need to be under the Mosaic Law, they're like, the What? It's no big deal to them. But when you say to Jews that have been under the law their whole lives, you're no longer under it. Ah, It's hard. Of course it would be hard. It would be hard for any of us. Um, And so he says in in Romans 15, 13, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of of the Holy Spirit. May the God of hope fill you Fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Believing his word. Believing that there is no Jew or Gentile, which for them was a big issue. For us in our day, it's not such a big issue. But what else causes division amongst believers? We are to have unity. And if we have unity and fellowship, we have what he says here at the beginning of the chapter, that we're of the same mind. Which Paul says also in Ephesians, that we have joy with one another. We know the same thing. We believe the same thing. We have the same Lord. And so therein is what? Filled with joy. And in my last one, in John, 1 John 1 4, John writes, These things we write so that our joy may be made complete. And what does he write here in the beginning is the fellowship of Jesus Christ. He that we saw and held and beheld. And we speak Him to you. And so these things we write that our joy may be made complete. Which was for John, his listeners coming to know Christ as he did. And so this is us evangelizing, teaching, sharing the Word, being witnesses. And when we see others receive what we have, receive what the Lord has through us, It gives us great joy. And again, the word is filled. Now, again, for each of these, there would be looked at as moments. There are moments of joy, moments of sharing, times of sharing. uh, And these things fill us with joy. But, you know, say we shared or witnessed, I don't know, like... Once a year, right? Do we do we really experience the joy of being a witness of being an ambassador for Christ? We don't really don't. It's not we've had many more opportunities than that. What if we just looked to ourselves and didn't do that? What if you know I, I had peace and fellowship with some believers like you know for a day this year? And for the most part, I was contentious and didn't like them. I, I didn't reach out to them. I didn't serve them. I didn't build up the body of Christ. I didn't use my spiritual gift. I didn't care to. Did you receive the joy of fellowship? You didn't. Maybe you had it for a moment or two, but is that what God wants? And this is my point. When it comes to the filling of the Spirit, it's not a moment here or a moment there that God is concerned about, but a life that is filled with the Spirit. Because if you look all through Ephesians, it's how we walk, how we live, how we deal with one another. And yes, it is comprised of moments. We live moment by moment. But this has to be, in our hearts, a manner of life where our treasure is. So, it is a result of putting our treasure in the right place. And here's my, you know, I've been picture happy lately, so I'm throwing in more pictures. Be filled with joy. All right, there you go. Again, I don't know who any of these people are. They're probably copyright infringements and stuff, but I'm, I'm researching that to make sure I don't do that anymore. But I'll just move to the next slide. Okay, so being filled with joy in these passages comes from what? Doing the right things. To summarize, praying, knowing the Father and the Son, which is eternal life, putting your mind in God's presence by faith and learning, fellowshipping in the same mind with other believers, and sharing the truth with others. In each of these passages, thus says the word, these were conditions on being filled with joy. But not only are we to be filled with joy, I just use as an example for play roo, filled with joy. We're also to be filled with God. So, is this like joy?
2: Hmm.
0: You know, when you leave a question hanging like that, and you don't answer it, it's a method of teaching called parabolic. Meaning, just like when the Lord taught a parable, and you'd be like, what? (laughs) What did that mean? And even the disciples had to go ask him. And, he wanted them to ask him cuz he didn't he he taught the parable to all of them including his disciples and if they didn't come and ask him they didn't un, they didn't untie it you got to unpack the parable so all of us have to answer this would this be like joy being filled with joy and filled with god would we be, So when we, what we saw in these passages being filled with joy is that we would be filled with joy when our treasure was in the right place. Can we jump that over to being filled with God? Will we be filled with God if our treasure is in the right place? It sounds pretty good to me. However, we must acknowledge a difference. Joy is a state and an emotion God is a person, so they're different. Good. Uh, To be filled with God would mean more than being filled with joy because God, although he is the source of joy, he's the source of a lot of other things. So God is not just joy, just like he's not just righteousness, though it's a part of his essence. So, But yet, so let's look at three passages in Ephesians that we've looked at before that describe filling and God, and we'll see. Is this like joy? Ephesians 3.14. Paul's prayer, this is the hinge that separates the first part of Ephesians from the second part. Ephesians 3.14, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom the whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Not every family, but the whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. That he would grant you, so this is Paul's prayer, right? That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you... Being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Play ro O and play, play Roma, which is the noun, are you both used here. Filled up to all the fullness of God. Is there a condition on this? Actually, there is, just like there were conditions on being filled with joy. And that condition was, or is, you can read it there, is being rooted and grounded in love and knowing the love of Christ that is beyond knowledge or that surpasses knowledge. Those things need to be, you need to know God's love, or it would be specific as Paul is here, we need to know Christ's love which the depth of which is incredible, the pinnacle of which is the cross, that we need to know that love, that we may be filled up with all the fullness of God. Now think about this. Filled up with the fullness of God? What? Uh, In any other religion, modern, and in that day, such a statement is just pure craziness filled up with the fullness of God wouldn't that make me like God we know that it doesn't make me omnipotent or anything but you know we can't deny the words what would it mean to be filled up with the fullness of God that must be the greatest life there is now you might know we know be filled with the spirit which is Ephesians 5:18 a lot more than we know this verse. And why is that? In my estimation, I've seen far less written on this. Not that I'm, I'm a scholar by any means, but I, I've seen far less written on this filling than on the filling in Ephesians 5.18. And that's probably because in Ephesians 5.18, be filled with the Spirit is a command. It's an imperative. Paul commands it. So we all say, and, and rightfully so, we better get going with that. He commanded it. However, what's here in Ephesians four, Ephesians three, is a prayer by Paul that we would be filled up to all the fullness of God. And be, and it's an amazing thing to pray for us. Should we regulate it to secondary status because it's not a command? And I I would be heartily against doing that. Should we de-emphasize it? No. And again, it has a clear condition, knowing the love of Christ. All right, go to Ephesians 4.11. I'm doing these. These are really fast here at the end, I know. uh, And we're going to get back now to Ephesians 5.18, starting tomorrow. Ephesians 4.11. Here are the spiritual gifts in Ephesians 4. He gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. And there's fullness again. So now we have a fullness of Christ and there's another condition. The condition here is is building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and the full knowledge of the Son of God. In other words, we're we're to be in the process of maturing in knowledge, in service, building up one another. So what was the prior one? In Ephesians 3, the condition to being filled to the fullness of God was love. Now, we backtrack to Romans 15 where Paul said, you'll be filled with joy when you're of the same mind. But I hate those Gentiles. Yeah, well, we hate you Jews. And they they at each other's throats. And Paul says, no, there is no Jew or Gentile. We're all in Christ now. There's no distinction. So what does it take to make that bond? As Paul writes, what is the perfect bond of unity? It's love. And he says in Ephesians 3, if we know love, Christ's love, we'll be filled with the fullness of God. Here he says, if we know to build each other up and serve one another and grow in the knowledge of Christ, we're maturing. That we'll know the fullness of Christ. And then, Ephesians 5.18, don't get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit fullness of God, fullness of Christ, fullness of the Spirit. The Trinity. And what marvelous gift it is to be filled with God. Now, I'll leave you with another parabolic thing. (laughs) The filling of the Spirit is sat right next to And this comes out of nowhere. We're so used to it. But Paul brings up getting drunk with wine. He's going on and on about spiritual life. Much of it negative concerning the old life. Put off the old. Put on the new. We know Ephesians a little bit, right? We've been through it. He says, don't be like the others. Don't be like unbelievers. But walk in the light because you're children of light. Don't walk in darkness. Don't, you know... Don't do this, do this, don't do this, do this. And then he says, don't get drunk with wine. he gets very specific to not just, you know, broadly what the unbelieving world does, but he picks drunkenness. And he puts this right next to being filled with the Spirit. We might alter it to say, don't be filled with wine. For there isn't much difference between being drunk and being filled with it. And that helps us see that they oppose each other. But actually, there's similarities between drunkenness and spirit filling. Now, I'm not saying that That doesn't come from me. Uh, uh, Drunkenness is a sin. We're not saying they're the same by any means. But the Scripture points out to us, there's one place where the filling of the Spirit is taking place and the people who see it assume that those who are it are intoxicated. And I wonder if Paul has that in mind. In the Scripture, it's vital to unravel this. It's like a parable. Don't be drunk with wine, be filled with the Spirit. It is parabolic. Because So, wait a minute. If I get drunk with bourbon... Am I good? Uh, no. All right, I don't get drunk at all. So I'm filled with the Spirit all the time? I never, I'm a teetotaler. I don't touch the stuff. Does that mean I'm filled with the Spirit all the time? No. So what in the world is he after here? We can't, we can't leave the drunkenness aside because that's what he puts right next to it. And how are they the same? And how are they completely different? And this gives us tremendous insight And I'll leave you with that question till tomorrow. Say, you can't do that, Pastor. Sure I can. I'm out of time. So, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Very good. Where do you look for treasure? Is it in the world? Is it on your phone? Is it on your television? Is it in your work? Is it at your dinner table? Is it in your bedchamber? Is it in your physical stimulation, your planned vacations, your house, your boat, your car? your garden i thought of gardening when i made this list for some reason and all of these things can be lovely in their place but if they're your treasure where is your heart what two places did we see in the scripture where the treasure can be let's pray thank you father for your word thank you for guidance in things that we that you've given us to unpack in your word Through God, the Holy Spirit, we can understand and then be made full. Not walk around this earth as empty people trying to fill ourselves with the next thing that is from the earth that is only temporary and only a distraction. A distraction from the reality that is life and the life that is eternal life that would fill us greatly and fill us with joy and peace and love. Thank you, Father, for your amazing gifts. In Christ's name, amen.